The following interview originally aired on KPOV 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Central Oregon. The interview was conducted on the Wednesday edition of The Point, a local affairs show that airs Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. on 88.9 FM and KPOV.org. Our guest this morning is Cale Donnelly, Workforce Analyst for the State of Oregon Employment Department. Cale, thank you so much. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of The Point, and thank you for your time. It's always a joy to have you. Hey, good morning. Happy to be here. Let's start out our show with a look backwards. Last time we talked to you on The Point was last December, and of course the figures weren't in yet for 2020. How did Deschutes County end that crazy year economically? What with, oh, you know, a pandemic, political unrest, wildfires, racial strife, etc. Yeah, so so now that we have, you know, some, some more data in our rear view to really understand how 2020 uh, treated us here in, in Deschutes County and Central Oregon, Oregon as a whole. So essentially, we, we have revised our monthly employment estimates um, for the year 2020 now that we have received the actual payroll records from employers. And, you know, usually we're pretty dang good when it comes to our estimates, but with, you know, kind of a pandemic that really shook things up, shook uh, plenty of establishments, we did our absolute best, but there were some upward revisions to the data. We underestimated the recovery in, in our original estimates, most notably in Deschutes County. So first, the, the initial shock was just a tad bit deeper. Instead of losing 17% of total non-farm jobs, we actually lost 18%. But the recovery was far more robust than we thought. You know, July, for example, we saw an addition of 2,750 jobs rather than the originally estimated 30. So the largest revisions were really across leisure and hospitality because we saw that the, the limited service uh, restaurants, you know, think fast food or drive through establishments, they largely avoided the, the, the more significant job losses. Um, tourism was also uh, a little bit more abundant than we initially expected, which increased the amount of travel spending in the region. So that's going to have a positive effect as well. And then uh, with the federal programs tied to the CARES Act um, that kept a lot of workers on their employer's payroll, uh, that that definitely um, uh, played a part in, in those upward revisions. So we hate to miss the mark, uh, but these these upward revisions are good news um, with some you know welcomed optimism uh, to to what was a really difficult time. Well, we could all use some optimism. Um, the higher number of COVID cases has just pushed Deschutes County back into the high risk category. How do you anticipate that will affect the numbers? Well, that's tough to say. I, I'm not in the you know, I, I am not in the business of forecasting by any means. I know that now that Deschutes County has moved up a risk level or, or will be moving up a risk level, that will have uh, an impact on the capacity that restaurants uh, and St. Jim's, for example, just various establishments, the capacity that they are able to be at. Um, now that we're moving into the warmer months and it's it's much easier to kind of dine outside, I don't see this upward movement in the risk level being as as worrying as it would be, say, if we were in the middle of January, where dining outside might be a little bit more difficult um, to make comfortable for your patrons. I, I think it might have a, you know, a marginal effect. Um but I, I think I'll call it that because I, I, I am not a forecaster, but it, it will have a slight impact. Yes. 
So, Kale, do you think that a lot of people that were surprised a year ago to find out what they needed to do to qualify to be able to even be open, they have figured out how to make that work for them a little bit better. They understand what the rules are. It's not such a severe setback if um, they find out they have to go from 50 to 25% because they capacity, because they know what to do now. Do you think that's part of it? You know, I, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, that it's not such a it's not such a shock. They've they've made some of these accommodations before, um, so it's definitely going to be a little bit of an easier transition for those employers. Um, you know, it's, it it could be the case that consumer demand is still just as high, whether they can seat at capacity at the same capacity they were, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and that could still uh, maintain the employment levels uh, that those restaurants have. Um, but yeah, great point. I think the fact that this isn't their first rodeo per se is, is kind of definitely on their side. Speaking of an, a number of, well, a, a large number of the population is now vaccinated. Is it too early to discern if the vaccine has had any impact on businesses? In other words, I'm vaccinated. I can now go out to eat without fear. You know, we don't have any, really any data on that. Um, I mean, in, in terms of uh, just how employment is shifting, how establishments are behaving, we'll, we'll be a few months out until we can really look at how today and, and this uh, movement week or, or warning week, excuse me, how it will impact the numbers. Um, right now, we just have data up until February of 2021. Um, so it'll, it'll be a little while. I, I imagine, you know, that with with more shots in arms, there, there will be that consumer confidence that's paired with it. Um, I already think, you know, I just, I was walking around downtown yesterday in Bend just because I needed a little taste of human interaction, working at home all the time and, I don't know. There did seem to be a greater sense of optimism, if you can even pick up on that. But I think the fact that there is a light at the end of the tunnel for all of us here, um, now that you know there are more vaccinations, some restrictions are lifted, some restrictions might be put back on. But but we see that we can see the horizon. Um, I think that's definitely going to have an impact on um, you know our local economy, uh, especially moving into the summer. I fully anticipate that this tourism season is going to be you know, more pronounced than um, years prior because of just that pent up consumer demand. And now there is, I imagine there will be like higher consumer confidence now that there are more people vaccinated. Yeah. That is such good news. So stepping back for just a second on the recovery, are you seeing all areas of Central Oregon recovering equally? Deschutes County is recovering at a faster pace lately than Crook and Jefferson. Um, but that's really because Deschutes County was hit disproportionately harder than Crook and Jefferson. So if you have a bigger hole to climb out of, um, chances are you'll be improving at, at, a, at a little bit of a faster pace. Yeah, this, this pandemic-driven recession was totally different than the last, than the Great Recession. On the Great Recession in Oregon, we saw that Many of the rural counties throughout the state were, um, you know, hit disproportionately hard and struggled to recover their jobs as as easily 
as the more urban um, counties were. But this time around, it's a total 180. And, you know, those those more rural populated counties, that that was an advantage, you know, with less people in an area, when you need to be socially distancing, physically distancing, that that is to your advantage. And also, shares of leisure and hospitality employment in a county played a huge part as well, as well as local government education, the share of employment there. So tourism hubs like Deschutes County, Portland metro area, northern coast, they were hit really hard, kind of struggled to recover right at the onset, while the rural counties had more of a glancing blow during this pandemic-driven recession. Um, How does Central Oregon's recovery compare with the rest of the state, say, for example, the coast or Portland area? So, so the state as a whole has, you know, of, of all the jobs that it lost at the initial COVID-19 pandemic shock, it has gained a little less than half of those jobs back statewide. And what's really driving that narrative is the Portland metro area. You know, it's, it's the largest microeconomy in the state. And Portland has, has had a difficult time, not only... Uh, has it totally like, well, I shouldn't say totally, but a, a significant loss in business travel. I mean, you know, business expos, corporate um, retreats, uh, all of that, plus PDX, limited travel, that has really been a boon in their economic recovery. Plus, you know, some of this social unrest that was taking place in Portland as well. So uh, Oregon recovered a little less than half so far. Uh, Central Oregon, on the other hand, Crypto Shoots Jefferson counties, uh, we've recovered about seven out of 10 jobs that were lost at the initial onset. So favorable news there. Unemployment, uh, the unemployment rates are trending downward. Continued unemployment insurance claims are trending downward. Employment is trending up. So overall, I feel pretty optimistic about our region's recovery. But, you know, I there's still some catching up to do. Many households and businesses are still struggling. I, I don't want to discount that. But still, the metrics look like we're, we're gaining some momentum regionally. And, and hopefully that, you know, that rising tide can, can lift all boats throughout the state as well. Is the Central Oregon's recovery uh, rate due in, in part to the uh, tourism and leisure industries? Well, some of the most significant losses were in leisure and hospitality, and about 70% of those jobs are gained back. So with quite a bit lost at the beginning and quite a bit gained back, that's going to be a, a pretty substantial swing. So it's it's like, I don't know if there's a saying like you have to you have to lose big to win big. Um, but I feel like that kind of plays plays a part here because the counties that didn't really lose very many jobs because they had lower concentration of, of employment in leisure and hospitality, they they're not gaining jobs back as quick because they didn't lose nearly as many. So kind of a double-edged sword there. And, and what, what was the rest of your question, Louise? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you answer it. You're good. Yeah. Um, again, on unemployment and touching on the leisure and hospitality yeah. industry, a lot of employers are saying that they can't get workers, even with high, offering hiring bonuses. Um, apparently, some workers uh, are choosing to take advantage of the increased unemployment benefits. When these benefits expire, which is what, September 6th, are you forecasting a drop in unemployment or? So I, I can address that. I mean, with the, the number of unemployed individuals today, roughly half 
of those are on are what we call um, you know temporary um, job losses, where they fully expect to be recalled back to their employer. And so the other half are at levels um, pretty similar to what we saw before the pandemic. Pretty similar, uh, a pretty similar level of of unemployed individuals. That plays into the narrative I'm hearing today, which just as you laid out, that employers are having a difficult time finding labor. It sounds a lot like the the narrative we were hearing before the pandemic, when we were in an economic expansion. Now, as for the um, you know incentive from the extra unemployment insurance benefits, I could see that having some impact. At the same time, um, if an employer has been, or excuse me, if an employee has been called back by their employer, but they refuse to come back because they're really enjoying that unemployment insurance check, the employer just reports them and then they are no longer eligible to receive benefits. While some folks, I don't know, I I think it's pretty short-sighted, um, for anyone to not take advantage of the employment opportunities now. There's there's going to be a big rush, I can imagine, come September, October. Do you, do you think some of that reluctance for low-paid workers to return has to do with the safety issue that maybe they don't quite feel safe going back to work yet because possibly they're not in the group of the cohort of people that have been uh, vaccinated? Or they don't feel like some of the, I, I just saw something about Cavista in Ben getting a $27,000 fine. So are some of these lower paying places not really safe for employees to come back to? In the question of employees coming back, that would, I would still kind of point back to my comments on if, if they've been called back and they just aren't going, uh, aren't, aren't going back for any COVID-19 related reason, an approved reason on, on Governor Brown's site, uh, then then no, they are ineligible to receive benefits. But folks who are without work um, and permanently without work, they may not be, you know, keen on taking a job totally different, totally new to them at one of those establishments. Sure, I I, I do know that the sentiment around safety and, and health is is still very present. Some workers are opting to return to work in different sectors, uh, higher paying sectors such as tech, medicine. Are your figures showing, are, are they reflecting that information as well? When it comes to um, movement across the sectors, we would be able to analyze that. Once again, it's, it's going to take a few months for that data to come out. We'd have to dive into our wage file and look at in, in employer transitions and what their wage levels were before and after the transition. So it's going to be a little while until we can actually see that occurring. That's just kind of part of the job is that we, we have to wait for the data to come out. We are looking at the clock, and I was hoping that we were going to get to talk about housing, but I don't really think we have time for that. Oh, but Marianne, I've got a whole page of questions. Okay, ask one quick question. You, Carolyn says you have a minute. Oh, my gosh. Housing, <laughs> give us a one-minute update on how the recession has affected housing. Housing, it's been surprising. Um, yes, uh, household movement has um, uh, taken a hit, but still, Bend is pretty popular. Really low inventory levels. I think average days on the market has been under six, five days for the last few months in Bend and Redmond. So housing is flying off the shelves, cash is king, appreciation is definitely driving up, but 
housing permits are abound, and we hope that summer 2021 will see some of those new houses alleviate that uh, supply and demand issue. Okay, you hit it right on the mark there, Kale. Thank you so much. I tell you, he could have his own show. He could. Thank you, Kale. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, please visit kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcasts at kpov.org.